Hello, and welcome to episode 68 of Golden Shower of Hits. On today's podcast, Jamie and Mike will discuss Truth, Jeff Beck's solo debut album, released in 1968. As a guitar player, I'm supposed to love Jeff Beck. Many of my favorite players cite him as a huge influence, but I just liked everything I had heard from his 70s fusion phase. Many years ago, someone recommended Truth to me since it was early British blues rock and more in my wheelhouse, so I gave it a listen. I learned three things from this record. One, Rod Stewart rules. Two, Ron Wood is the most underrated bass player ever. And three, I just don't like Jeff Beck. Mike loves the shit out of him, so sorry, Mike. I can't imagine Jamie liking this at all, since it's like way shittier Led Zeppelin 1, but we'll see how it goes. the fundraiser at an action-packed day with the fireman's barbecue which is a fundraiser big fundraiser nice do that a couple times a year chicken barbecue that's cool do they do the thing where they make you stand out on the street corner with a boot no okay that's good (laughs) no people drive out they used to dine uh come and dine in the bay oh wow yeah you know we'd take the trucks out and set up tables but COVID happened and we did it drive through style. Um, and then it was just easy and right. no fuss. And so I think, I think we probably will continue doing that. Nice. Yeah. But pretty fun. That's cool. You guys raised some money for some fire trucks and shit. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I mean, not a ton. You make a little bit of money, but you do it a couple times and do other things. And yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it's crazy to me how a bunch of volunteers have to do a bunch of side hustle stuff to make money to help save people's houses when they <laughs> right. catch on fire. It, and the community is pretty cool. You know, the community yeah. is cool about supporting anything that we do. So yeah. um just seems like there would be a, a better way to spend some bigger government money. Well, you know, Americans hate socialism and uh, the fire department is a socialist <laughs> idea, right? Well, it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's funny. It's, I mean, it's actually called a fire company. Right. Right. So, you know, the fire company can go bankrupt. The fire company can also, there's a lot of stuff that I don't understand, but they can lose the contract with the town. Oh yeah. That's pretty wild. That's crazy, right? Yeah. I think most. Like if you suck and you don't manage the money well and blah, you know, blah, 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 blah. Right. But 
Uh, we have a good crew. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think most I mean, I'm, non-volunteer fire departments are city-run, aren't they? Yeah, they're municipal. Right. But and those guys also do fundraisers. Usually no, yeah, I know. <laughs> benefit, like some children's benefit or something, yeah. typically. They're not like, we can't afford new tires for our truck. Right. Please, uh, let us cut your grass or whatever. <laughs> yeah. We we do a, a calendar every year. I'm in the calendar this year. <laughs> really? Wow. Are you on a white horse? No, that would ah, be pretty hot. No, I've got it. a I've got a whole I've got a head some headgear on and I'm breathing, you know, through tank oxygen. <laughs> Wait, how do I get one of these calendars? Oh, I'll send you mine. No, no, no. Uh, I don't use calendars. Well, I don't either, but <laughs> if if there's a calendar with well, my What am I going to save it? Yeah, I mean <laughs> Uh, well, how about this? You, is there like a place you can buy it online and it's entirely possible some of our listeners may want one and it would oh. help out the fire department, right? So, Shit, company. I don't know. I'll find out and I will send you a link. Nice. Yeah, do that. I'll put it in the show notes if you actually send it. I'm going to send a text to the <laughs> chief right now. He's, uh, let's see. Um, is there a place people to buy... Stuyvesant Falls Fire Company calendars online. I don't. I I believe the answer is no. Ah, it's unfortunate. I'm going to guess. We're not really, you know, technologically advanced, right? But what the fuck do I know? You know, it would have been good if you guys did like a cheesecake. Uh, you know, because like the perception is like firemen are like these ripped, good-looking, hunky. You know, basically like chippendale dancer guys that do the calendars you know it'd be hilarious if just like a bunch of regular dude volunteers all had their shirts off you know, <laughs> and kind of recreated the you know there's not a single person in our fire company that anyone wants to see uh yeah. not fully decked out in gear right and that's that's why it would be so funny mm. i mean i understand what you're saying yeah but why don't you take a look at this conventional calendar first and then <laughs> reserve your <laughs> uh, reserve your concept for reworking. I you might want to rework that. Yeah. Well, mm. But, you know, I can appreciate that kind of humor. Yeah. So that happened. That's exciting. Mm, yeah. What's going on? What's your weekend? What would you do? Um... I was up late last night and then got up early today to get some stuff done at the shop. Uh, we had so, we had somebody smoking crack on, at our uh, like break room picnic table that's outside <laughs> the shop oh, the other day. So he just needed to sit down. It yeah. Just, it, well, it was, a, it was a lady and she's smoking crack and somebody was going to go out. Uh, well, you know. Like, oh, fuck, we got to get this lady to leave. And then she pulls a big butcher knife out of her fucking purse and sets it out on the uh, table. And uh, so then Jen started, we have uh, these like loudspeakers outside of the shop. And so she's yelling at her through the loudspeaker to leave. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I think we might be installing some more loudspeakers. Jen's very happy about my outdoor loudspeaker project that I set up for her. So she's like, that one just great. through it. <laughs> She could just talk through it and it just blasts. Yeah, pretty much. She can do it from home? Yep. Yeah. Anywhere? Yes. Oh, yeah. That's pretty hot. Yeah, I got you, man. It's a pretty good setup. So, you know, we got cameras that are viewable from anywhere and then um, she's able to talk, you know, so we have a, uh, like a, it's like a big horn 
on uh, the front, the side, and the and the back of the building. So, what if there was like I know this yeah, is over lot. the top. We have a lot of people but, digging through the garbage and shit, you know. So no, but hey, stay with me here. Yeah. What if you installed just like some shitty old flat screens, you know, and had them covered so that right. they didn't blow out, and then they powered up. And there was like a Max Headroom style figure that just like, when you talk, when you talk into, because people will be tripping out, right? Right, right, right. Uh, and then when you talk, it's just this animated face figure yeah. that's like, you know, you're being captured. Uh, you're being audio and video <laughs> captured at this moment. We've ID'd you. Right. Uh, using our technology. You know, you just say yeah. whatever. I don't know. Yeah. It's just some bullshit. Yeah. But they look up and they see this face. <laughs> That's like some kind of terrifying, relatively featureless, fucking, you know, right. terrifying shit. <laughs> I'm full of great ideas. Uh, it, it, it's a funny idea. I think, though, it would backfire because I think people would bring people to, like, show them the thing <laughs> and they would want to fuck with it, you know? So Probably you know. right. The, yeah. or actually, the TVs would get stolen. <laughs> right, yeah. So uh, Guaranteed. I yeah, I could figure out some way to, like, put a projector in a window and project it up against the wall or something, you know? But That would be pretty fun. You know what I would love is movable... Um, remote control like water sprayers you know what i mean so i could spray people tagging the building and shit <laughs> that'd be pretty fun yeah that'd be great so i bet that i mean there's got to be a way to do that yeah i kind of looked into it but you know they make like motion sensor ones but uh you know i don't want to spray people walking by you know like so could you do something that activated did you guys buy the building no, unfortunately not. I was going to say then we could drill holes in the walls, but here's the oh, thing. Oh, we drill holes in the walls anyways. <laughs> what I mean, what if you have a thing that, um, you know, where you could actually spray paint on people? Oh my God. No, like you have some sort of sprinkler system, but it's spray paint. <laughs> right. And it just like, it dingle dangles over the edge of the roof <laughs> and you can activate that. You could turn that on and off. Right, yeah. And when people come along and tag, you just give them a little shot of their own medicine. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, it needs to be a deterrent, but also needs to be to where it doesn't fuck with people so much that they want revenge. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's a little, it's a slippery sl slope, I think. I mean, if someone wants revenge and they know they're going to get painted, they're probably, you know. Going to come back with what a are brick they do? <laughs> to throw through the window, you know, like. Uh, maybe so yeah because i mean it's probably kids and they're you know yeah so yeah it is what it is we still just paint it's a pretty tiny. fun idea to paint people yeah yeah oh yeah no it sounds like a great idea but yeah how's everything else going there at the good man the um trying to think uh what's been going on I think if i'm trying to think if i have any humble brags i would like to disclose this week <laughs> my test print my test pressing for the flexi discs showed up. Oh, really? Yeah, it was great. Does it work? It I works played, well and everything. I did an IG live mm -hmm. and played the entire album. Played it through for the first time. I nice. listened to it. And, yeah, uh, not that many people saw and heard it, but yeah. the, you know that's the point. <laughs> right, right. And then you get the option to save it or not, and save it to your wallet. I did not. Gotcha. That would defeat the purpose. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. I, I think people would still buy the record, right? <laughs> yeah, but you know. 
It's yeah. just for the people who are paying attention at that moment. Right. Which is not me. Yeah. So <laughs> not very many people at all. I there was honest. something of yours I came across recently that I was like, How have I not seen this? Oh yeah, it was a Couchless video or something that I missed. Yeah. I think the Mark Mallman one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my good. new thing is I have a lot of potential f- f- uh, to be discovered. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is the way I frame it pos- with a positive spin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what I just tell myself. Yeah. Just It's got a lot of potential for new discovery. I uh, Last week we talked about Frank, the uh, queer oh, yeah. queer uh, folk singer. And yeah. uh, I tracked down. She has a like an EP on Spotify that you can listen to. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called Goofy Foot, and it's it's actually not bad. So uh, Frank is a she describes herself as the all American Jewish lesbian folk singer. <laughs> so if that sounds like it might be interesting to you, might be good to check out. It's uh, her name's Frank, and the EP is called Goofy Foot. Um, she does a uh, Ode to Billy Joel, Ode to Billy Joe, which is that mm-hmm. Billy Joe McAllister drum pop the. Tallahatchie Bridge song. Um, she does a cover of Mrs. Brown, You've Got a Lovely Daughter. That's really good. And then a couple of originals. Uh, Bulldagger Swagger is good. And Surfer Dyke Pal is great. <laughs> so <laughs> it's about her. Apparently she's super into surfing, like her on the cover. I think her on the cover, she's a very masculine looking uh, person. And it's her uh, like surfing uh, while playing acoustic guitar, <laughs> like a real photo nice. of that. So, uh, but yeah, surfer like pals. Great. It's about her and her like, uh, gay friends, like going out and surfing in all these places. So that sounds killer. Yeah. And then, uh, it's unfortunate. So she played in a bunch of punk bands in the seventies. Um, I couldn't find any of their stuff on Spotify. I sure if I looked around on YouTube, I could probably find it. But, uh, then she has, uh, there was like some kind of holiday album that somebody put out. I didn't catch the name of it, but. Uh, she's got a song on it called Hanukkah Snowman. That's pretty good. So, yeah, <laughs> Uncle, yeah, Frank. So, awesome. Listen to that. And uh, last last week, so last week we did the Beatles Abbey Road record, and uh, we kind of touched on Alan Parsons. <laughs> and I mentioned that to Jen, and she's like, "Oh, I loved Alan Parsons when I was a kid." And I was like, "What?" what? <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> She's like, yeah, I loved it so much. I stole the Alan Parsons tape from my dad. It was like my first tape. <laughs> wow. So yeah, learn something new about your wife, right? She's big into Alan Parsons. So huh. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Go figure. Yeah. And then uh, she sent me a text that said, uh, quote. Don't tell anyone. She, yeah. She sent me a text that said, quote, do you think Paul felt embarrassed when John showed up with Come Together and then Paul wrote Maxwell's, Silver's Han- Mil- Maxwell's <laughs> Silver Hammer for an old lady birthday party? <laughs> so, uh, that was um, Did we touch? Uh, no, I don't think we did. Did we touch in the episode about how we sort of baited Guffy? We did not. Well, we hadn't done that yet, so. Oh, man, it was fun. <laughs> I really had a great time. Doing yeah, I was that. really enjoying and it. I I don't. I mean, you guys have this whole dynamic that I just sort of every once in a while tag myself along for the fun. You know, right? Where you guys know how to push each other's buttons. Yes, pretty pretty well. <laughs> Although he insists um, that I never get the best of him. So 
He seemed pretty worked up. Yeah, he did. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's also just text words. Right, yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's hard to tell. But that was a lot of fun for people who missed uh, Jamie. Took screenshots of our text <laughs> thread. And uh, Guffy was certain... Well, he was uncertain about what we were going to say about about Abbey Road because he was displeased with our sort of review of the White Album. Right. And our, our outlook and view on that album and the grade we gave it. What did we give that album? Do you know? Uh, I could look it up. I don't think it, it didn't get A pluses. No. Right? Huh? I mean, it might have gotten Bs. Oh, actually, uh, this was before I started writing the grades down. So, yeah, I don't know. Really? Yeah. No, I have to go listen. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, he was pretty, he had some concerns. He was very hot. And, <laughs> and we took advantage of the opportunity by yes. telling him a lot of crazy shit like, ah, the Beatles aren't really as good as people think. You know, made some granny music references. Right. You know, talked said they should have broken up a lot sooner. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Basically, we had a fucking hoot. Yeah, it was great. I was yeah. like, have you actually listened to this album recently? Like, sit down and listen to it? Like, it's not as... I think your memory of what it is is actually, you know, you'll feel different after you listen to it again. And boy, he was fucking <laughs> He was hot. calling us idiots. Yeah. <laughs> he was calling us idiots. Uh, You're like, no, seriously, you should just give it a, give it a listen. Right. Just listen I'm, to it objectively. <laughs> <laughs> oh man was he mad <laughs> yeah he was pre-worked out. and then uh, I mean, I think- mike mike and i had a side text conversation laughing about our conversation with john <laughs> so but then later john re- replied by saying he started crying when you were crying right yeah because he's the next softest person in portland yeah so john uh Listen to the episode, and then the, the next morning he texted us after he'd listened to the episode, and he's like, you fuckers. <laughs> so he knew yeah, that we had You two are the him. two softest punks in Portland. And then, uh, yeah, he, he said that he, was, he either did start crying or almost started crying when I was crying. Uh, I will say Jennifer told me that when she listened to the episode, she started crying when I was crying. So <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, I knew. I know. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, still didn't cry. Oh, my God. Still didn't cry. Kind of, yeah, fucking <laughs> running over. What, what, mm. what, was was that a squirrel or a rat? What was it that you said you didn't cry over murdering? Oh, I think it was like a maybe a gopher, or a woodchuck, or oh some yeah, kind oh of that's shit right, like yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. it was a drag though. Yeah, I was just like, ah, fuck. <laughs> I don't want to kill anything, you know. What a drag. Yeah. But sometimes you got to kill shit and not cry. Yeah. Like a little baby wham wham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty emo. So on, on all ends of the spectrum, you know, like I'll rage and sometimes I cry and yeah. So it depends. You're very even keel. So I try. I mean, you know, I'm just bubbling just under the surface. bubbling. <laughs> right, right, right. Just fucking boiling with rage. Are you, is there ever time where you're almost going to cry? Were you almost going to cry when I was talking about the Beatles? No. No. (laughs) Not even close. I was actually, I was like, oh, is he being, is this real? I was like, really? I don't know if this is real. Yeah. (laughs) You couldn't tell? 
<laughs> that it was real? no honestly the hardest thing for me to not do was to make a joke immediately after right right <laughs> wait a few comments and then i could start making jokes yeah <laughs> i mean i know but, it's know, i, I know it's, it's okay. ridiculous you know so i'm fine with i would have been fine with the joke right afterwards yeah yeah whatever <laughs> you know it's it's my thing it's not anybody else's you know so i don't expect right. anybody else to feel that way necessarily so mm. ah, what yeah. else uh what else going on Did jen have a humble brag this week i not that i recall no uh christine i think i have mentioned christine got her license a couple weeks ago no uh-uh. i know she was yeah she got her yeah no yeah she was working on she was really you know because she had to take a driver's test and and she was she had to take this online class right and there right was, there were a lot of there was a lot of stuff yeah for her to do and she was pretty nervous and when it came down to it like the test like the driver's test up here you know, you dr- you drive around a block and they make you parallel park, not like between two cars. It's like next to a car. Right, yeah. And not on a busy road or anything. And, and so she just first try passed the test and she was stoked. Oh, that's awesome. And then she's been looking for months for a car. And yeah. this week she got it. Really? She got a car. I Holy think. shit. <laughs> thursday wednesday i don't That's know wednesday amazing. Or thursday yeah dude what did she get she got a little hybrid like hatchback suv crossover thing nice it's killer i've driven it a few times yeah um she loves driving it it's it's small and kind, you know it's it's not like a sports car but it's like sporty right right um and uh yeah it's great gets great gas mileage it's like i bet 40 43 miles <laughs> to the gallon. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you want to talk about this record? Fuck yeah, I do. All right. I love how Guffy, Guffy was trying to, uh, I mean, come on, Guffy. <laughs> Guffy was trying to bait me because I think he knows how uh, how much I love this record. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was trying to <laughs> talk shit about this record. Right. The thing is, I know that Guffy loves this record. Yeah. I know that Guffy loves Jeff Beck and he was just trying to get a rise out of me. I mean, he didn't even bother waiting months to try and exact his revenge. He waited a matter of hours, right, which is right. like, that's like child's play. Yeah. Guffy, come on, buddy. You disappoint me. Uh, but anyway. Yeah. Anyway. I didn't fall for the bait. Yeah. I still have my original vinyl copy of this record that I got in the eighth grade. Wow. That's pretty cool. Uh, so if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, this week we're talking about the uh, 1968 album of covers by Jeff Beck called Truth. And it's killer. <laughs> you're just going to let that fly by? It's killer. Everyone knows it. Well, I mean, look, it's not... It's. I understand what what you're trying to do. Yes. And there's really nothing that you're going to be able to say or bait me into that's going to get me upset because I think <laughs> I, I feel like you're going to have a lot of fucking dingaling things to say about this because you're a fucking ding dong. Um. But this album ranks up there with Then Play On by Fleetwood Mac with Peter Green as some of the fucking greatest music of that decade and beyond it's 
a fucking Jeff Beck is a remarkable wizard. And, you know, this was before, I mean, he's a, he is an explorer of a guitarist. Mm -hmm. He's a seeker. And this was early. Like he was already very seasoned. You know, he had done a ton of shit uh, by the time he made this, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and this, and you know, he had this record, it should be noted, has Ron Wood on bass. Yeah. And Rod Stewart on vocals. And on uh, on one song, uh, Jimmy Page, John Paul Jones, um, and uh, fucking... Keith Moon. Keith Moon. Yeah. yeah. Which is nuts. And Ni- Nicky Hopkins. Nicky Hopkins, which I think yes. has come up a number of times. Yeah, Nicky was... Uh, I, I guess a keys player. He played with the stone uh, stones a little bit. He played with the who um, the played kinks. on this record, the kinks. Yeah. 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 Amazing piano player. Uh, he really got around. Yeah. So he actually p- played. So the song you're referring to is called Bex Bolero, right? Yeah. And it was actually written by Jimmy page, which I thought was right. interesting. Um, Jimmy page is playing a uh, rhythm guitar Keith Moon's on drums, uh, John Paul Jones playing bass, and Nicky Hopkins um, playing keys. Uh, I'll, I'll read you some notes I took. So Beck, Page, Hopkins, Jones, and Moon were pleased with the outcome of the recording session, and there was talk of forming a working group and additional recordings. This led to the this led to the famous quick quip, "Yeah, it'll go down like a Led Zeppelin." So that's um, where right. the name Led Zeppelin comes from. Uh, this predates Led Zeppelin. Yeah. And at the time, Keith was not happy being in um, The Who. And so he played on should've this. Talked, should have talked to Ringo. <laughs> right. Uh, he played on this and, uh, you know, was thinking about doing that Zeppelin thing. Um, ultimately, you know, he worked out his differences with The Who or whatever. But uh, they tried to keep it a secret that he played drums on this. And um, so here's a excerpt from wikipedia for all their attempts at secrecy secrecy townsend learned of moon's move beck recalled i remember pete townsend looking daggers at me when he heard it because it was a bit near the mark he didn't want anybody meddling with that territory uh townsend also took to referring to beck and page as quote flashy little guitarists of very little brain unquote uh page responded uh with quote Townsend got into feedback because he couldn't play any single notes unquote. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, um, so yeah. In in '68, uh, Hopkins became a member of the Jeff Beck group, and uh, he was on the performance of Beck's Bolero. Um, and then uh, during their U.S. tour, so the Jeff Beck group, uh, Rod Stewart actually played rhythm guitar when they would do this song. I thought that was interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can't even imagine Rod playing guitar. You know. Well, he plays mandolin. Oh, is, um, is he playing that on Maggie May? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's a, yeah, he's a, a mandolinist. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think I've ever seen him handle a guitar, though. I right. mean, not that he, it seems like it doesn't seem like a stretch in any yeah. way, you know? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, so I'd never heard this record before, and I'd never heard... Um, jeff back really before um 
and then I spent a week with this record. My perception of Jeff Beck was like he's just like a sleeveless old guy that wears a scarf and plays a strat, you know. And I'm not sure why I feel this way, but I feel like well, because he is that guy, <laughs> right? I mean, I, he is a he is a guy that wears muscle shirts and works on cars and wears scarves and has this has like a Ramones haircut and always has. It's so weird, and like I don't know why, but I have the perception that he's a the type of person that wears turquoise jewelry too. Uh, but I didn't see him I wearing don't think any. He does no? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's like a turquoise jewelry guy. So I don't think you'll find him with like a shark tooth no? necklace or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I looked at this a bunch real of pic- shark tooth, dude. I looked at a bunch of pictures of him last night and watched a bunch of videos and like, um, you know, this is a pot calling the kettle black, but it's like he found his style, like, you know, in 1980 and just kind of doubled down on it. And it's been that ever since, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know what it is with the scarf thing. Um, I was kind of thinking like maybe he's got like a giant goiter on his neck or something. And yeah, you know, the scarf makes him hot. So that's why he cuts off his sleeves. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. But uh, Did you write that down? Huh? Did you write that one no, down? No, uh-uh. <laughs> um, but uh, I was just going to say, if you did, your delivery is getting better. <laughs> Because <laughs> it sound off the cuff. <laughs> uh, no, no, I was I was thinking about that last. Like it's just so weird that he would wear a scarf all the time. And then, uh, so I actually Googled like, is something wrong with Jeff Beck's neck? Right? Like, I mean, because he could have some kind of I don't know scar or you know something, some uh, weird fetish thing too. Yeah, Who knows? that's true. Um, and uh, I couldn't find anything that wasn't related to like his signature series, guitar necks having an issue, you know, like people having <laughs> issues with his guitar. But I did find one thread on uh, gear slots or whatever, uh, where somebody yeah. asked, uh, what, why is Jeff Beck always wearing the fucking handkerchief or the, you know, the, the uh, scarf around his neck. And like yeah. all these people just jumped all over this dude's shit. It was pretty crazy. Like... There's a lot of people that really love Jeff Beck and were really pissed about that. So I thought that was interesting. Um, well, I mean, many of the greatest guitar players in the world would say that Jeff Beck is the best guitar player in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever that's worth. Right. So I did you see a, I did see a good quote on that thread. Uh, and I, I haven't been able to verify this, but uh, it said... Um, Upon see the first time seeing the stones, Jeff Beck said in reference to the Yardbirds, "Oh great! Now we're going to need to start dressing like slobs." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Are if Jeff serious? Beck actually said that or not, but that's what somebody posted, which I thought was fucking great. So, oh, that's incredible. Yeah, I hope that's true. <laughs> yeah, right. I did see a video I hope of that's uh, true. Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page playing uh, Beck's Bolero and Immigrant Song at a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing. And uh, Jimmy's Page playing a Fender Electric 12, which is cool. And then Beck Beck is wearing an all-white outfit with white leather boots with, like, fringe on the boots. (laughs) Even That's pretty gnarly. He's kind of a strange ranger. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's Um, a bit of a strange ranger. uh, And so, yeah, I watched a bunch of, like, recent stuff of him. And uh, he's playing with this girl bass player. Her name's Tal Tal White Wilkinfield. 
Yeah, she's amazing. Super good. And she's fucking incredible. And her uh, rise to, you know, not popularity, but getting the places she's in and stuff is super interesting. You should read her Wikipedia page. Just, just Google Jeff Beck and then look for Tao. T-A-L. I think she's Australian, isn't she? Yeah, she's Australian. She's, she just started playing guitar. She like learned how to play guitar at like 14 in the year 2000. And uh, right. uh, I, I, I can't give you all the details, but she ended up jamming with, um, what's that band I always called Leonard Skinner that John likes that's not named Leonard Skinner? Oh, Allman Brothers, right? She got pulled up on the stage. The Brothers? Yeah, the Allman Brothers. She got pulled up on stage with the Almond Brothers and they were like blown away by her. And then her thing is kind of escalated from there. But she uh she did a basically a whole record with Prince that was released after his death. Like he really found her somehow and was like, Hey, I want to do like a Jimi Hendrix kind of record, like and flew her out to Minneapolis and she recorded at Paisley Park and yeah, like all kinds of shit. She and she's played with everybody now. So Yeah. And she's, you know, uh, what, like maybe thirty? So pretty amazing well if she was 14 in 2000 yeah what would that make uh, that was 22 years ago oh jesus christ <laughs> that would make her a contemporary record <laughs> right right let's see Cont- <laughs> by your estimations all right you son of a bitch what did uh let me look up how old she is she'd be like 35 now she's born december 2nd 1986 which makes her yeah, so 34. she's 35 yeah so yeah, no, she's, she's amazing. <laughs> There's uh, video footage, plenty of it out there of her uh, playing with Beck, yeah. a, as well as tons of other people and yeah. her solo material as well. But yeah, I understand what you mean. You know, after this record, he started, he got into like fusion stuff that was kind of not quite as out there as like Mahavishnu, although he right. has famously been covering... Um, you Know You Know by Mahavishnu Orchestra for years now. And I saw him play four years ago, sitting in the front row in this theater. And it was, you know. Wow. It was a, it was nearly a religious experience. Yeah. He is in absolute control of everything that is happening on the guitar. Yeah. All of the sounds. It is remarkable how much, and like, how completely as one he exists with the guitar in his hands, you know? Yeah. Um, it is an absolute extension of him. Um, yeah. Let it me was probably the greatest guitar performance I've ever seen. That's cool, man. Let me, let me knock on him a little bit more before I get to what I actually think of Jeff Beck. So, <laughs> So oh, but what I was going to say is you, you said in 1980, he sort of found his thing and just sort of hung on that yeah, yeah. to a certain degree. Like, you know, he was, you know, his stuff was developing, changing, doing all these things. Um, you know, he, he went through this whole like fusiony phase all the while, like playing instrumental guitar music, which is right. You know, not, not yeah, not, super <laughs> not popular. wildly popular. Right, right, right. Um, but I don't know, somehow it's still interesting. Like he, you know, a couple records ago, he was doing like trip hop songs. Whoa, whoa. And do you know what I mean? Like he's just not sitting on his laurels completely, you know, redoing the same thing over and over. 
he's, you know, he's into newer stuff. He's into interesting music and yeah, no, what I, think, what I said about him being, you know, finding his thing in 1980 and staying there was in reference to his like look, not, not necessarily his playing. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's also about when I think he hung his hat on the strat and just stuck yeah. with it. Cause before that he had this Telecaster, which he like modified. He put like, put a gut cut and an arm contour on it, like a strat. Mm-hmm. Um, and many people have made, you know, made like replicas of that since then. Um, and then he was playing like a, like a Les Paul in his fusiony days. Mm-hmm. And now he purely plays strats and, and you know how I feel about strats, but I, when he plays one, I just don't even care. Yeah. Like it's then it, when he plays it, it's the greatest possible thing that could ever happen on any instrument. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's always exceptions, you know, like Buddy Holly, is a strat, you know what I mean? I can't imagine him with a Les Paul at that time or what, you know, whatever. So, right. Um, but yeah, no, I was referring more to his, his look or whatever, but, and yeah, my perception <laughs> yeah. is Jeff Beck plays a strat, but I, you know, I've seen like, uh, you know, reproduction Jeff Beck tellies and, you know, there was, I think some Jeff Beck Les Pauls that Gibson put out and stuff. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> so yeah, literally yeah. know nothing about the dude. Um, you would think that I would, there's a lot of stuff that I hate on this record. There's a lot of wah pedal. Holy fuck. There's a lot of wah pedal and there's a lot of slide guitar in this record too. Um, it didn't bother me but that it's much. Not like, it's not like blues hammer slide no, playing. Huh? It's really melodic. Right. I will say that. So this week we're on the 1970s. Somebody put this on their rec, uh, on their list as oh. the rec, favorite record from the 70s. And we were already into it, and then I'm like, wait, oh, we this wasn't up. from 1970. This is from 68. Um, oh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I texted you, but I, I didn't get a response. It might have come out before Abbey Road, even. Probably, yeah. <laughs> um, huh. And Maybe I'd, that's why it came off last time. You know, I never heard this record before. Zeppelin 1 came out after this record, I and I love Zeppelin 1. Listening to this record was really weird for me. Um, because, you know, let me, let me tell you a little story. <clears throat> I was starting. You hate the, let me guess. You hate the blues. <laughs> well, that's not news. Um, I had, so I try to do some of my covers in advance and Paul's Boutique, I think is up next week, right? Uh, right. I was trying to pick out a cover oh, fuck, for that. I have to do a cover of this. Yeah. <laughs> so for some reason I was humming a melody to a Rod Stewart song in my head with Beastie Boys lyrics from Paul's Boutique. And I was like, oh, what's that Rod? Maybe I'll play the Rod Stewart song and then just rap the fucking Beastie Boys over the top of it as my cover. And I couldn't figure, I couldn't remember what song it was. So I ended up listening to a ton of Rod Stewart before I listened to this record. And Rod Stewart has had a huge career post like 60s and 70s of doing like standards. Yeah, garbage. It's fucking awful right it's garbage it's so so bad and so like this the american songbook or some bullshit and it and he can fuck off with that go (laughs) go kick those records off the stage like soccer balls it's really bad out of here with that shit yeah and you know before that you know i knew the 70s rod stewart hits and i love them just like everybody else maggie may do you think i'm sexy you know all that stuff but i literally like had to listen to like multiple minutes of all of these songs trying to find out what figure out what rod stewart song i was thinking of 
And so I listened to a bunch of this terrible Rod Stewart, right? His voice is still great. It still sounds very similar to how it did in the 60s and 70s. So then when it came time differently, right? So then when it came time to listen to this record, I'm hearing that voice and it's just triggering me with all these like standards. (laughs) I'm just like, ugh, right? So I'm super grossed out. At the same time, when I'm listening to it, I'm hearing, uh, uh, Robert Plant. You know what I mean? Like I'm hearing like, oh, oh fuck. Robert Plant stole this shit from Rod Stewart. Like I, you know, but it's totally backwards for me because this is the first time I'm hearing that and you know, I love Zeppelin 1 and then to come to that realization like, oh yeah, no. Like, you know, like uh, not only did this come out before, uh, you know, Page and John Paul Jones were involved in the making of this. So Right, right it most certainly had an influence. Oh, absolutely. Of course, they were both also in the Yardbirds. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, but, I mean, even, you know, how pay, uh, Plant will, like, he'll sing, like, uh, a, a real heavy thing, and then he'll kind of, like, trail off and kind of talk a little bit, you know? Like, Rod does that on this record, and I'm like, holy fuck, that's not... Well, they both got that from blues guys. Oh, okay. Well, I don't listen to blues, so maybe... <laughs> but, uh... Yeah. Yeah, so I was just like, holy fuck, you know? And then, so there's that. And then there's, um, there, I mean, it's obvious he's playing a Les Paul, and I'm pretty sure he's playing a Marshall on this, right? I think he's playing a Telecaster. Really? Yeah, man. Wow. Fucking A, yeah. man. It, whatever the guitar sound is, it's fucking great. Uh, really good. I was like, boy, this is the Les Paul and Marshall sound right here. <laughs> Apparently, I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, the guitar sound on a lot of it is really good. And the other thing is, so this is um, came out in what July of sixty eight. So this was recorded uh, May twenty May of sixty eight. Um, there are a lot of guitar licks or notes or I don't even know what they're called that I've heard a hajillion people do after this record came out. That I'm like, holy fuck, that's where this came from. I just looked it up. It said Beck switched to using a 59 Gibson Les Paul standard, of course, at the end of his time with the Yardbirds. And that was the guitar he used for the majority of this and some of his Beckola album. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't find any of of the gear stuff for this. So, uh, But just from hearing it, I was like, oh, this is Les Paul and a Marshall, you know? So I don't know if he was playing a Marshall or not, but, um, but yeah, just his guitar playing is phenomenal. And like, I would assume he was the OG dude for a lot of these licks, right? I mean, cause I don't know who played that shit before this. Well, I think, I mean, it was buddy got buddy guy. I mean, there's a lot like these guys <clears throat> were doing electric blues. And so everything they were doing at this point was pretty traditional in that sense. They were, you know, they were exploring a little bit and adding like psychedelic elements and, you know, there's some of that, like, but later on is when he, that's, you know, when he got moved away from strictly playing blues and more traditionally minded music. And he fucking, he was out there. Right. Right was way out there yeah and it you know if there was no jeff beck there'd be no you know who's the bald guy joe satriani right 
which I mean, I'm I'm not a big Joe Satriani fan. Yeah, I don't know I'm sure he's a nice guy. If there wasn't a Joe Satriani, you know, whatever. Right. But probably, you know, just whatever. All of the guitar heroes. Basically, yeah. almost every guitar hero. I wonder what Prince thought of Jeff Beck. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe, mm. yeah. Um, That's I will say, you know, I, I think when we listened to Zeppelin 1, you brought up this record, and you were like, yeah, it's, it's as good or better than Zeppelin 1. Um, I can really see now why, you know, when these two the, these two records are talked about together, you know, like it totally makes sense to me. Um, one of the other things I thought was cool was the, there's a lot of guitar interplay between the guitar and the singer, like on yeah. Zeppelin 1, you know? Um, and here too. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, I... I I, I, I'm just left so confused, right? Because it makes me mad about some things I about love, Zeppelin 1. <laughs> I love that it does. <laughs> I love, uh, I love Just this. like finding out that your parents are Santa Claus or, you know, Toys for Tots or Senior Santa Claus. <laughs> I love that I talked about this record when you were giving fucking Led Zeppelin 1 such a fucking tight gripped hand job. And... <laughs> And now you've got to loosen your grip a little bit. Yeah. And eat a little crow. Uh, I will. So the song, Let Me Love You. Uh, I, oh, wait a minute. Can I, t- can I say yeah. one thing about a Prince tie-in? Yeah, yeah. Ron, when I saw him play uh, in, the, in this theater just outside of the city, up like barely upstate, like in Westchester or some shit. Yeah. Um, he had this bassist named Rhonda Smith. Mm-hmm who was a fucking super badass, like a fucking terrifyingly good bassist. And yeah. when I went home, I looked up like, who is his, who is this bassist on tour? Oh, Rhonda Smith. Okay. Let's see what's Rhonda Smith. She played with Prince before. Oh, okay. So there's a, there's a little bit of a tie in there. I, right. I don't know. I, um, yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> so, <clears throat> when I was listening to this, the song "Let Me Love You," I yeah. thought he kept saying "You're sh- You're shaped." I thought he kept saying "You're shaped like a pear." You're shaped like a willow. You're shaped like a willow tree. <laughs> <laughs> Shaken like a willow tree. And I was like, "Boy, that is not a good way to pick up a lady." And then, so <laughs> I I played it for Jen. I'm Agreed. like, hey, I'm like, "Hey, Jen, will you listen to this and see what you think? Tell me what you think the lyrics are." And she said, he's saying, everywhere you walk, you shed like a willow tree. So, so we both misheard those lyrics. Um, <laughs> I kind of want to take off on a tangent here, if you'll allow. Okay. Um, dude, Ron Wood yeah. on this record and Mickey Waller, the drummer, I... Th- I looked, I, I, I followed the thread on Mickey Waller a little bit. Oh yeah, I did too. Holy shit. <laughs> that guy has had, uh, he's still alive. Is he? I thought he, no, he died in 2018 or sorry, 2008. No, those were his active years. It says born 1941. It doesn't say died anywhere. Oh yeah, yeah there it does. Yeah. Oh, well that's too bad. But, uh, he's played with a shitload of people. Yeah. I mean, he played with Peter Green in in Blues Breakers and John Mayall's Blues Breakers. Yep. 
he played in this band, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, he played with Long John Baldry. And when in when I was looking back through this, there is this fucking... Because I assumed that this was Rod Stewart's first thing. Right. And it, in fact, is not. Correct. There was some band called Steam Packet, which is a sh- there's a, a reason that band never caught fire. Well, to be fair, Rod was in a bunch of bands with terrible names <laughs> before this one. So, um, but I I want to find see if I can find anything any of this. Yeah, it's uh, this thing says that Steam Packet, Peter Green, Mick Fleetwood, uh, they were in the band, and I'm just I'm like fuck, were all these guys in a band together at once? Was it like Peter Green, uh, you know, and Rod Stewart and Mick right. Fleetwood? Like, holy shit, are yeah. you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, Long John Baldry has an incredible voice. He's yeah. got a crazy cool voice. Do you know that? No. Don't, you don't know, don't they know Boogie Woogie on the King of Rock and Roll? I don't think so. Do you know that song? Mm-mm. Uh, it's a fucking... It's great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, so uh, Mickey Weller died in uh, 2008 at the age of 66, and I, I saw a video of him playing like shortly before he died, and he was only 66. Right. He did not age well. He looked like Mickey Rooney at the end of his life. Like he was, mm. you know, there's like a video of him playing, and it just looks like the oldest dude ever playing drums. But was uh, he playing well? Uh, he was not, nah, I mean, he was on time or whatever, but you know, he wasn't like he was on this record, you know, he was just, right. uh, I, I, you know, it looked like he had, you know, a couple of friends get together and they played at like a coffee shop. Basically it was a video of that. So but it was cool to see. Um, yeah. So at 19, Mickey Waller started playing with Joe Meek in the flea records, uh, flea records. They had a minor hit with the song called green jeans, which is kind of a surf instrumental, um, you can find that on uh, Spotify. He played uh, two tours in the UK, uh, backing Little Richard, um, and then he became a it's pretty rad. Yeah, became a part of a band called the Trinity, um, and was soon followed by Long John Baldry. In April '65, the group was expanded by Rod Stewart and Judy Driscoll, which evolved into a new band. Um, in August of '67, Waller joined the Jeff Beck group with former bandmate Rod Stewart. For Beck Ola, Beck decided he never he wanted a heavier drummer. And on uh, February 11th, 1969, manager Peter Green, or I'm sorry, Peter Grant, fired Waller and Ron Wood, although Wood was retained per Beck's, Beck's wishes. So Peter Green, you, uh, Jesus fucking Christ, Peter Grant, you will remember, was the infamous manager of Led Zeppelin. So yeah. Uh, in 1969, Weller flew to Venice Beach, Los Angeles to form the band Silver Meter with guitarist Lee Stevens of Blue Cheer. Uh, there's a song called Gang Bang, uh, which has an extended <laughs> drum solo. That's pretty rad. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, you can find that on Spotify as well. Uh, Weller's relationship with Stuart and Woods served him well as they would, he would go on to join them and then on the next three Rod Stewart solo albums. Gasoline Alley, every picture tells a story and never a dull moment. Um, so that means he played drums uh, on Maggie May and he played drums on, um, he also played drum duties on Stewart's Smiler album, 
the opening song of which contained Waller's dog making noises. So, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, uh, sounds like he did some, a bunch of studio work uh, after you know leaving uh, Rod Stewart, and he played with Cat Stevens, Eric Clapton, Bo Diddley, Dusty Springfield, Paul McCartney, and Billy Bragg. He died of liver cancer in uh, April of 2008. So, yeah, badass drummer, man. Fuck. What a career. Yeah, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and the fucking bass playing on this album is so good. Yeah, Ron Holy Wood shit. is a uh, stallion. I mean, did you get into listening to the faces when you were exploring rod stewart at all i didn't no i actually because ron yeah. wood plays guitar on that okay in I mean, that I've, band i've heard of the faces but um yeah i never heard and his his guitar playing you know he is much more prominent than anything he ever has done with the stones as far right. as i'm yeah as far as i know and he's got this real like just kind of sloppy swaggerly slide style that's uh exquisite it's yeah. fucking great yeah so yeah i have to check that out um yeah i was kind of thinking like i wish i could just listen to the drums and bass on this record and another thing i was going to ask you about this do you know what is that bass sound like i've heard like um on the first song shapes of things where he's playing bass it, the bass sounds really similar to Geezer's bass sound in Sabbath, where it's that really like kind of round sound. I don't know how else. Oh to wait a minute! Whoa, 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 it. whoa, 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 whoa! It's not a clean bass sound. It's not. That's not a clean bass sound. Is it going through a wah? Is it through a half cocked wah or something? Is that what it is? No, I think it's just probably going through a high. You know, it's probably going through a fucking Marshall. I don't even know. It could be going huh. through, uh, like a custom you know with a k right yeah, maybe yeah. those came later i don't know yeah. uh, let's do a quick search uh what did ron wood use on truth base yeah it's kind of like the tongue ron wood's base look at this ron wood's base base gear oh he sent that to me uh let's see oh did he use a pick i've seen a few pics of ron playing bass back then he used a fender P bass like a Tully style. Okay. To pick yeah. through with Rickenbacker transonic amps. What? Oh. Huh. What is that? Rickenbacker transonic amplifier. Rickenbacker transonic error establishing. Oh yeah. Okay. Nice right, well, fuck you too. Huh. Look at that. Okay. Oh yeah. It almost looks yeah. like a Vox or something. Right. Right. Yeah, now he's definitely playing a pick Yeah, so it's just like picture. he's probably got the thing dimed, you know? Right, yeah. And it's just like kind of whatever. It's a little bit overdriven. Yeah. And, you know, back then they they didn't have the, the kind of power to handle low end. Right. You know, they weren't using like fucking rack systems and crossovers and shit. <laughs> right, right, right. So it just was real you know woofy and wonky yeah. look at that face he's making it's in so that good. picture it's a fucking amazing <laughs> um yeah but his playing and this and the sound is fucking fantastic yeah uh but i did okay. discover at least on that song if you pull your right headphone out you can listen to just the drums and bass 
which is, is great. That right? Yeah, because my uh, my one AirPod fell out, and I'm like, why am I only hearing the guitar and Rod? And then I'm like, wait a second. And so then I switched, and uh, yeah, all the drums and uh, bass were in the left speaker. So that was pretty nice. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm really uh, happy to hear that you enjoyed this record. I I mean I. I, I because I, I know I you want you know? I know you wanted to hate it so You're bad right. because no, of the blues yes. stuff. But if uh, I just I guess I can't help but saying if you were if you were inclined to hate this album for its blues influences, then you would be obliged to hate Led Zeppelin One. Oh no, absolutely. I don't. I have no idea why I like Led Zeppelin One as much as I. Oh, do. Oh, I do because it's know? fucking awesome. Yeah, it is good. That's a pretty um, good reason to like yeah. something. Uh, real quick. So the producer on this record, uh, a guy named Mickey Mo, Mo, Most mm-hmm. uh, was the producer. He, his he down- made a lot of stuff. Yeah. His down-to-earth handling of the band, his business acumen and knack for selecting hit singles established Most as one of the most successful producers in Britain and kept them in demand throughout the 60s and 70s. Uh, he had a business relationship with Peter Grant. So, you know, the- manager for Zeppelin. Um, and most productions were backed by uh, London-based session musicians, including Big Jim Sullivan, Jimmy Page on guitar, John Paul Jones on bass uh, and arrangements, and Nicky Hopkins on piano. So I think that's kind of, you know, how those guys got involved with Jeff. Um, his Well, Jim, Jimmy Page and Jeff Beck knew each other from oh, a from, very young yeah, age. Yeah, that's right. Uh, they played in the Yardbirds, right? Well, they knew each other before, like as teenagers. Oh, they did? Okay. Yeah. Oh. Like when they were both learning how to play guitar. I think it's is my <laughs> when yeah, when they were playing uh cricket. You're right, right, right. When they were just fucking two nicks high to a cricket bat. Yeah. Uh is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't uh, know the only too. thing I know about cricket, I think, is it, doesn't a game take multiple days to play? Yeah, it sounds terrible. It's weird. Yeah. Uh Mickey Most his uh his very first production was Herman Hermit's I'm into something good, which went number one in September of 1964. So the very first thing he produced was a number one hit. And was Jimmy Page on that? Uh, That I didn't look into. I think so. He recorded House of the Rising Sun by the Animals. Yeah. Uh, He discovered Kim Wilde and produced her 1981 hit Kids in America, which is a great fucking song. Yeah. And he was a producer on the TV show called Revolver, which uh, was devoted to punk rock in the late 70s. Oh, nice. Uh, in, uh, you know, one th- one thing I learned from this, the, but I learned it in the 11th hour, so I didn't follow through and find anything out. Yeah. Was that before Jeff Beck made this record, he made a couple other singles that were more pop-oriented, right. and he sang. Yeah, I saw and that. And Mickey Most Mickey Most produced them, and I'm really curious. Like, what? I've never heard him sing. Like, yeah, yeah. I'd like to. I'd like to hear that. Um, just to wrap up, Mickey Post. Uh, he died on May thirtieth, two thousand three, um, at the age of sixty four from parenthial mesothelioma, uh, complication of asbestos. So, an investigative Ew. journal, uh, investigative journalist Paul Foot thought it would was possible that he contacted uh contracted the cancer from ingesting fibers from vinyl, t- vinyl tiles impregnated with asbestos intended to ap- improve soundproofing in recording studios so Oof. yeah thought that was pretty gnarly 
Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. So yeah, that's Mickey Most. Kids in America, man. What a good song. <laughs> the kids in America. Whoa. Oh. Yeah. It's a good uh, let's see what what other stuff did we uh, did we unearth about this record anything um not too much about this record uh, the record was recorded in like three or four days yeah yeah which is not unusual for, for the, time, for the yeah. time yeah because there's not like uh it's not a there's a little bit of interesting production but there's nothing wild going on you know yeah it's kind of just there's some layering especially like on that so, bex bolero but otherwise, it's pretty straight. Yeah, some interesting panning and stuff I thought was kind of cool. Like a slow pan from far right to far left of Jeff's guitar at one point. I thought was pretty cool. And uh, and at know. the time, it was really cool. Because you'd, <laughs> right. you'd smoke a joint and have your headphones on or whatever and be like, Whoa! Yeah, exactly. It's like he's moving around my room, dude. Yeah. Uh, Can you believe technology? <laughs> <laughs> um. I I did have some trivia about Rod Stewart. If you want to hear that, is it going to be that uh, about him getting pulled over? Uh, no, I don't know that one. Having a that stomach one? pump? Oh yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will say that he has eight children by five mothers, so I don't know how true that is. <laughs> huh. Wow. Uh, one of his daughters has a kid with Benicio del Toro. Okay. And he's colorblind. Oh, really? Yeah. Good for him. Me too. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Maybe I can get him to guest on my next uh, solo album. Yeah, right. Uh, he was once quoted as saying, quote, instead of getting married again, I'm just going to find a woman I don't like and just give her a house. <laughs> That's, wow. Yeah. Uh, he actually played soccer uh, on the LA Exiles a team made up of mostly English expats with a few celebrities, including Billy Duffy of the cult in a senior soccer league in Palos Verdes, California. I think I knew that for so, some reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I knew that. He left school at age 15 and worked briefly as a screen printer. <laughs> what? Yeah. Say again? He quit school at 15 and got a job being a screen printer. Oh, quit school at 15. Yeah. yeah. I was like... I didn't catch that. I was just. <laughs> you think like, about him playing he soccer? Stopped play, he, like, he quit playing music and was a screen printer no, no, no. at some point? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, my, and my last thing about uh, Rod is well, he, he still sounds great, um, but he's big into model trains, like super big into model trains. I knew that also. And uh, he said that uh, he doesn't give a shit about being in music magazines but he was super excited when he was on the cover of some model train magazines. So. <laughs> uh, I thought that was pretty good. Well, that he's reaching a new audience. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> an audience that doesn't know what music is. <laughs> Apparently uh, somebody called him out on like some of the foliage he had planted around uh, like in his model train thing. And uh, it's because he used the wrong foliage because uh, he's colorblind. So <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is totally Mike. Uh, well, let's talk about Jeff Beck. Okay. I did zero research on Jeff Beck. Really? Well, I kind of figured that like people know about Jeff Beck. People know about Ronnie Wood and Rod Stewart. And so I spent most of my time on the people that people might not know, like Mickey, Mickey Waller, the drummer. Or uh, 
the producer, you know? So, whoa. I don't know if these are wins. Oh, he's won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Grammys. Yeah. Jeff Beck has won eight Grammys and has had uh, three, four, five, six, seven, 15 nominations. Wow. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty impressive. Pretty good. Isn't, he, uh, did isn't, you know that he, he's a gearhead, right? You know, he like rebuilds hot rods. I think it sounds kind of familiar. Yeah. That's like, that's what he spends most of his time. Doing. <laughs> that, that explains the, uh, sleeveless t-shirts. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, isn't, wasn't Rod Stewart's solo band basically this band without Jeff Beck? No, Jeff Beck played with him a couple, like later. You see, uh, what was that? Uh, people get ready. People get ready. The song people get ready. Um, they did together in the eighties. Okay. I don't think I know that one. Um, you know, Rod used a lot of different bands throughout the years, but yeah, they, they played together off and on. But yeah, I think Mickey Waller and then, uh, isn't Ronnie Wood playing guitar on all those all those Rod Stewart records? No. Oh, I thought he, he was, was in the Faces. Okay. And then I think maybe one of the Faces records maybe turned into a Rod Stewart record, or maybe some of the band was on that. But I think then he okay. kind of moved on. Gotcha. Then also, you know, Ron would join a band called the Rolling Stones. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They're also an English band. Yeah. <laughs> There's the thing that says uh, Jeff Beck's been a vegetarian since 1969. Really? Wow. That's what it says. He never. I've never seen a picture of him going through a fat phase. Right. Tell you that much. <laughs> there was a lot of talk on uh, on that gear page where they they uh, the guy asked about if he had something wrong with his neck. There was a lot of talk about him wearing a wig, and then a bunch of people were like. Do you really think he bought a wig that has a bald spot on the back of it? <laughs> <laughs> I think I might. <laughs> I thought that was pretty that sounds good. Sounds like a fun idea. And then a bunch of people were like, well, that would be a great way to convince people that it's real. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, people are the worst. People uh, are the best and the worst. Yes. We've that has been said many times by Mike Squires. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, my only other piece of trivia is that Beck broke the band up on the eve of the Woodstock Music Festival at which they were scheduled to perform, a decision that Beck later said he regretted. So, did not play Woodstock. So he was supposed to play Woodstock. Yeah, with this band. With this band. Yep, and broke them up. Broke the band up. Did 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 it go into saying why he broke the band up? Yeah, I did not see that. Yeah. So. Because he's, uh, seems like a reasonable guy. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't seem like a cock, but what do I know? Yeah. I, uh, I watched him, uh, do a couple of, uh, covers of Day in the Life by the Beatles. That was pretty good. Oh, he, I think he won a Grammy for that shit. Oh, really? Yeah. So the vocal, so the whole vocal melody he plays on guitar and there's nobody singing. Yeah. So, yeah, it was pretty interesting. Uh, let me see here. Pretty sure I put a spelling hammer here by that. No, what? Really? Rock and roll party honoring Les Paul. Not even nominated? Are you fucking kidding me? What are you talking uh, no, about? Here, he, no, he won. <laughs> In 2009, he won a Grammy for instru- rock instrumental performance okay. for A Day in the Life. Oh, nice. I thought so. 
I was I was pretty certain of that. Yeah. Yeah, pretty fucking good. You know, here's why I have had that record since 19 whatever. Do you remember when we were talking about uh Dixie Chicken? Yes. I told you a story about my eighth grade English teacher who I gave an Ingve Malmsteen tape to, and he made a mixtape for me. Right. And there was a couple songs off this, as well as some of his fucking weird fusion stuff. And <laughs> yeah. I, d- I didn't love it then, and I don't love the fusion-y stuff, like with Jan Hammer and all that, as much now, still. Um, but it did inspire me to pick this album, Truth, when I joined Columbia House Records Club. Really? And yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I got, you know, a number of whatever records and yeah. this was one of them. You know, records and tapes, I think I got. Yeah. And um they did eight tracks I, too. I still have it. <laughs> I still have that copy of that record. That's great. And uh and it was because Dan Levitt turned me on to Jeff Beck when I was in the eighth grade. Wow. Yeah. Which was a, it was a stretch for me to get into blues bass. I wasn't even really into Zeppelin one. Right. You know, I hadn't even gone down the rabbit hole of Zeppelin in general. Like I knew, you know, Stairway to Heaven. Yeah. Black Dog at that yeah. point, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there you go. That's, uh, that's how I came to love this record. And I've been loving this record since 1985. Mm-hmm. And I and I give it a an A, a solid A, for a number of reasons, uh, for its musicality and strong musicianship. Um, the production is pretty good, considering it was done quickly, and you know, it wasn't like they were making fucking orchestral music or whatever. They were bashing out, yeah, this rock music, and uh, yeah, I just think Jeff Beck is. Uh, arguably one of the most in-touch guitar players uh, on earth. Like, when he touches a guitar, it's not like me. Like, there's a struggle. You know, there's a struggle when I play the guitar. A struggle (laughs) to make it sound how I want to. There's a struggle for me to make the, the notes and move them around. And he can just manipulate it like a world-class vocalist. Yeah. You know? A, 96. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, we didn't even mention his performance of Green Sleeves, which was always kind of an oddball for me as a kid to listen to. Um, but it was just kind of an early sign of him going, I'm like, I'm a serious musician or whatever. Like, I I don't just fucking hammer out right. blues music. I'm... I'm exploring a lot of things yeah. and, and I'm fucking good at it. Yeah. Check this out. Um, I am. <laughs> so I'm looking at, uh, previous grades I've ga- given records. I'm going to give go. this, I, <laughs> I'm going to give this, here a, we go. I'm going to give this a B minus. Really? What did you give Zeppelin one? Uh, probably an A. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I gave, Cameron Van Beethoven, a B, and I think I like that record better than this one. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm I'm starting to question your dedication to Sparkle Motion. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I mean, uh, those guys don't even use Gibsons and Marshalls. There's some things I really like on this record, but you know, if if I'm just listening for guitar stuff or just for drums or whatever or bass, you know, that's great. But to just listen to music for enjoyment, I don't know that I would listen to this again. Really. Yeah. At I, all. I think, and I know this is dumb. I know that I'm supposed to like look at, you know, I, I try to be, um, to get rid of all my preconceived notions about stuff. And, and my grade may have been higher had I not listened to over an hour's worth of awful, awful Rod Stewart stuff. <laughs> Rod Stewart. Like, standards. it was really, really, really made me unhappy. Um, and and it it's just like I just can't fucking listen to him on this. I mean, every every once in a while, there's like spots where it's like, oh yeah, this is awesome. You know, Rod's so good. But then other times, it's just like, oh fucking, all I can hear is that those awful standards when I hear his voice, and it just totally sours me on this record. As far as listening to it for like enjoyment, you know what I mean. This record is some of Rod Stewart's fieriest deliveries yeah now he's great on this record it's unbelievable and he is he's singing high and like full yeah. voice yeah it's like a no bullshit fucking it's a he's brawling with the microphone yeah yeah i just right now i i just i can't i can't i don't want to listen to it anymore because mm-hmm. of rod stewart and you know i'm sure at some point that's gonna that's wear off else. I'm sure at some point my distaste for Rod will wear off over time and and I'll come back and enjoy this record and probably be like, oh yeah, this is better than a B B minus. But right now, you know what? Because I'm such a good friend, I'm going (laughs) to, because I'm such a good friend to you, I'm going to allow you to come back later, apologize publicly on the podcast and, and then give this a better grade when you get over your your butthurtness about how much Rod Stewart is a fucking cock now with his fucking granny standards. We'll say it's probably going to take quite a while. So that's okay. We'll yeah. be doing this for a while. Yeah. We I just want to say it's an open door. <laughs> I'm going to allow, I'm going to allow you to come back and publicly apologize for your bad grade. And I, I will, if, if I feel that way, you will. Uh, yeah, you will. I mean, I know you have ears, unless you go deaf, you know? It's possible, yeah. Then maybe you won't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, shit, all right. There it is. Jeff Beck, truth in the bag. For a while, this was one of my Desert Island records. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I would put this record up there with Then Play On and Yank Crime. Yeah, for sure. Never heard Then Play On. Oh. Is that the Fleetwood Mac record? Yeah. Yeah. It's the one that I stole the album cover from. Right. <laughs> it's I do like the album cover of yours. It is incredibly sad. It's like the saddest record I've ever heard. Really? Yeah. Because it feels uh 100% honest. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I feel, uh, like this, I feel like the saddest record I ever heard was, is it called The Wind? That Warren Zevon record? Oh, is that the one with my shit's fucked up? Uh, I don't remember what's on it. Um, 
It's like the record that came out when he was dying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fuck, man. (laughs) Some heavy shit. No, I just... It's got, like, uh, Keep Me In Your Heart for a While, I think, is on it. And Don't Don't Let Us Get Sick on that. Oh, God damn, is that a sad song? Uh, He maintained a sense of humor throughout his entire life. Um, which I appreciate. Warren Zevon's great. Yeah, keep me in your hearts on uh, on the wind. You should listen to then play on once through. You'll yeah. probably hate it also, but <laughs> because it's it's a it's a blues record sort of on the surface foundationally, right. you know. Yeah. But they were exploring this hybrid of blues and folk and psychedelic music, hmm. um, and it was. Around this time that he wrote that song, Green Manalishi, which Judas Priest later covered. And it's got kind of proto-metal without distorted guitars. Okay. And the guitars, the guitar playing on that record is just, is is fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, through the lens of today, it's, it's weird. But if you, if you try to imagine, you know it then right you know imagine it happening then that's a whole different it came out in 69 so it came out after this record um yeah you should listen to it i feel like it is you know it's heavy in the same ways but not i don't know but not in a led zeppelin kind of way or a rod stewart kind of like the vocals aren't fucking raspy it's all right who sings um, on the record Peter Green. Oh, does he? Okay. Yeah. I knew he was the I think B.B. Uh, King famously said, I probably fucked this up, but he famously said that Peter Green was the only British white boy that made him sweat. <laughs> when, I, when I heard that, I was like, that's pretty incredible. That's great. Because it's remarkable that all of these guys, the, elect, the like electric blues players, were doing this shit and, and just and doing it for years, and then... Yeah. Nobody in America gave a fuck. And then it took English kids to catch on to it. Right. And bring it over here. Yeah. And then it was, you know, then it was more widely accepted. Right. We suck. (laughs) You know, it's just, uh, yeah, pretty hard to not look at that and, 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 and just pure and call it purely racist right in nature um anyway people are great you know aren't they <laughs> we're great we're doing great great keep up the good job everyone keep try- actually keep trying to do a better job everybody yeah even, even though we don't have long <laughs> yeah it's a solar flare will be here tonight so what's that there's a big solar flare that'll be here tonight what does that mean i don't know what that means uh you know what the sun is yeah, yeah, I know what that is. It's okay. um, it's the it's the day. It's a big day daytime light bulb, right? <laughs> exactly. It's uh, the angry god. Yeah, there's a CME flare. So, uh, yeah, big solar flare that's supposed to hit uh, tonight or tomorrow. I think it's a what is it? A mass ejection? Something. What does Anyways, that mean? Uh, it's like a bunch of protons are on their way from the sun, and it's uh it's possible to knock out some satellite communications for a bit and like GPS and um, stuff like that. Yeah. 
What's it going to do to people who are vaccinated? (laughs) (laughs) Is it going to turn us into mutants? Uh, It'll be like that. uh, What was that movie? I saw it when I was a kid. It was great. Um, Maximum Overdrive? No, no, no. Um, (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? You know what that is? Yes, I do. I was actually... In it? No, I was accused of... You know what? Never mind. We'll scratch that. Uh, (laughs) Coronal mass ejection. So it's like, basically, it's it's like a volcano of, you know, uh, sun particles protons and whatever and it fucks with our magnetic field around the planet and uh it can fuck with electronic equipment so so shut your computers down uh possibly yeah unplug them hmm. from the wall actually because uh, oh, really? yeah because a big enough one can blow out transformers so even if the power is down yeah because it's still connected to the wall huh so who knows it'll probably be nothing i think i think it's a low grade one so but they're expecting northern lights above the state of Washington tonight. So, hmm. from that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, not interesting. Do you think there will be microbial aliens riding <laughs> these light waves? No. God, I wish. <laughs> that would be awesome. I don't think we need any more trouble. I just, I just, you know, it would be great. <laughs> I love how things just, are... Like, so fucked up that, like, didn't the government say, basically say, like, oh, yeah, aliens are real, and everybody just kind of ignored it? <laughs> well, they showed a bunch of UFOs. Right, uh, who right, knows what right. those things were? Yeah. You know, there's video footage out there that was shot from these jets. Yeah. People, <laughs> I think people are just like, I don't know, maybe in denial. Yeah. Like, people see those things, and it's like, well, what is that? I, You know, you can't really tell what it is, so... Yeah. Fuck it, you know? Yeah, I think we got enough to worry about. So. That's the thing. <laughs> and probably, I mean, are we really doing this? Probably a lot of how we're pummeled with information is to sort of keep our heads there. Right. You know, just like, all right, well, we don't know what this is. Or maybe they do. We don't know what this is, and we don't want people fucking flipping their lids and, yeah, you know, because what, that would mean absolute chaos. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Absolute chaos. It just sent you what a good... You, uh, what are you sending me? <laughs> good Craigslist ad. I'll be the judge of that. C plus travel. What? It's a singing crystal bowl. They have one in 14 inch and C plus and one in 16 inch, which is G it's a throat chakra. <laughs> I have no idea what this is. Of course. It sounds like some Hawthorne. wacky, yeah. Wacky hippie shit. You get this over there and you know, Oh my God. What is, it looks like a giant mixing bowl and uh, the communicator for Scorpios. Oh what? wow. I I'm looking through the pictures. This one's called the communicator. Uh. It's trademark. I, I just, I, I can't care about this. <laughs> it's not even that I, I believe that it's full of baloney. It's mm-hmm. just that I just, there's something about the community of people who <laughs> right. flocks to it that is <laughs> in, just sort of like a oh. little bit broken and a little bit, I just can't deal. He's selling a whole um, set and they come with the, with the cases. Oh, wow, you could play the entertainer on this Yeah, thing. I was going to say we could... Uh, <laughs> I should buy these we and could, then try to join a band with them. 
Like you don't need you know, a, we could, a singing bowl player. What the fuck's wrong? Your band sucks. Then we could force Guffy to get <laughs> the kids make a kids orchestra of, right. of these things, and then teach them to to play chordal, you know, yeah. harmonies and and melodies throughout. Uh, do Christmas programs and not pay them and make money. <laughs> and we retire. We make a sh- make a live concert event. Yeah, it'll be great. It'll be uh, like. Uh, Having a, a factory in China where kids make stuff. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. That's a great idea. That's almost, that's not as good as Theme Song Jacket, but it's pretty good. <laughs> I love Theme Song Jacket. When, when are you going to make that happen? I'm gonna. I was thinking right. about it this morning. I was like, God, because I, I mentioned it the other day. Yeah. It's like, fuck, I should go on Amazon and just find some. I mean, I'm sure I could get all the parts for Theme Song Jacket for. $15. Right, yeah. And then I just have to somehow pin it into the lining of a, a jacket. Yeah. And uh, I'd be fucking off and running. What is your, what would be your theme song? Well, you know that the the intro music for um, for Coucher's podcast? Uh, oh, right, yeah. That originally was my theme song. <laughs> really? <laughs> that was the theme to Mike Squires. Because oh, that's I, good. And the whole idea of it was I wanted it to sound like uh like the theme to Rocky, but if Clubber Lang was the hero. Right, right. You know, with like <laughs> horns and it would be kinda like kinda funky but stiff because it was for um because it was the eighties and it was like uh, you know, Hollywood or whatever. Right, yeah. It's like so yeah, that was that was the whole that was the whole deal. <laughs> I love it. That would have been. So I got to write a new theme song. You know, when I got married, I uh, I walked out to the altar to some music. Was it Kiss? No. Uh, it was Frankenstein by the Edward, Edgar Winter Group. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned this before. How did you pick that song? I don't know, man. I just, it, like, that song is just so badass, you know? And uh, Jennifer was walking out to You Make My Dreams Come True by Holland Oates, which is very sweet. And then, of course, you know, I'm like, hey, Frankenstein. Uh, yeah, so I asked the dude, and he's like, well, the groom doesn't walk out to music. I'm like, fucking why not? And he's like, I, I don't know. I don't think that's a good idea. I'm like, hey, at the end of it, can I stamp, can I stomp on a, on a, on a, on a fucking uh, light bulb, too? And he's like, definitely not. He's like, are you Jewish? I'm like, no. And he's like, definitely not. I'm like, come on. <laughs> like, this is my wedding. Why, do, why can't I do whatever I want? You know? Wait a minute. On a light bulb, there aren't they wine glasses? Oh, is that what it is? I don't fucking know. I'm not Jewish. I don't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, all right. Just he's like, you can't step on a light bulb, but you can walk out to some music. I'm like, great. Frankenstein by the Edgar Winter Group. <laughs> wow. So yeah, this guy loved you. Yeah, yeah, it was great. He looked like Otho from Beetlejuice. It was hilarious. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, yeah. Well, what do we got next week? Next week, the Beastie Boys, Paul's Boutique. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is going to be a fucking hoot. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited. I, I got to make this cover. God damn it. I started working on the Beastie Boys cover. It's way harder than I expected it being. Oh, I, I'm sure. Oh, God. Fuck! What am I gonna do? I don't know, man. This is this is all on my. I oh, I figured you would be psyched on this and you would want to do it, so that's why I signed this one to you. I think I have an idea. Okay. <laughs> I think I I think I have a really good idea. Actually, all of a sudden. Let me let me guess. It involves synths. 
<laughs> no. No. Actually. What? Actually, if I if I record this, will you mix it? Uh sure. I mean, I don't know. Because now I that you've got good. Well, now that you've got Superior Drummer. Yeah. Uh you could you could do it. I'll do my best. Oh yeah. It'll be great. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh yeah. It'll be uh, it'll harken back to the times when you cared about collaborating fuck you 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 know it'll really it'll make me feel like we're really in this together still yeah uh you know i only work with uh (laughs) chiefs and indians you know so there's no team i know that teamwork doesn't work (laughs) Uh, teamwork makes the dream work no 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 i know i know it doesn't yeah all right well I mean, we should just go ahead and just say A plus right now for that. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a fun one, man. Yeah, all right. Uh, a lot of fucking research. I'm gonna. Wa- I'll try to rewatch the Beastie Boys uh, thing. That was was it on Apple Plus? Oh yeah, yeah. Try to rewatch that. I didn't realize they were so down and out when they made that record. Yeah, I I, I knew that, but I didn't know how how bad it was. I mean, well, let's back up. Wait, let's not they start the episode. Out. They were renting a fucking <laughs> yeah. They were renting a mansion, mansion in the Hollywood, in Hollywood Hills. Hills. Yeah, not down and out. They just weren't fucking you know the Beastie Boys that we thought they were. Right. All right, buddy. Next week, man. <laughs> yeah. All right, dude. I'll talk to you later. Have a great night. You too. Bye. Bye. Hey, Mike. You're great. Goodbye, everybody. Go down the